0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, believers in good food for all. Learn more at bob'sredmill.com/podcast.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network.
3: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. Today, we're talking about a dish that I love. And uh, it's one of those rare, really, really tasty, really good foods that you can eat a lot of and then feel good afterward rather than gross or bad. So, and it's, uh, you know, I have a... Uh, a long list of foods that, that do the exact opposite, but this one is you know, gaining more po- popularity. In fact, there's a new cookbook out just about it. It is called The Pho Cookbook, easy to, uh, easy to adventurous recipes for Vietnam's favorite soup and noodles. It's by Andrea Nguyen. She's on the line right now. How are you, Andrea? I'm great, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I think you were last on this show a few years ago for Asian tofu.
4: I think so. One of, you know, my favorite food groups. <laughs> yes.
3: You are a veteran cookbook writer. Your first book was Into the Vietnamese Kitchen. You've written about dumplings, banh mi, and uh, now pho. So congratulations. I'm really excited about this book. Um, I hear that pho is sort of like the new ramen, right?
4: Well, you know, it's like you and I both know, that, and many other people know this, there are a lot of noodle soups out there yeah. um, that Asian people enjoy. Right, and, right. you know, a lot of people think, well, ramen's like the go-to Asian noodle soup, but um, mm-hmm. they're thinking more about pho these days. And I hope that a lot of people can fit both ramen and pho into their lives because they're, they're different soups.
3: You know, I, I think that reading about this um, pho in your book I didn't realize just how rich and fascinating just talking about one single and it's actually a family of uh dishes because as you explain pho can refer to the noodle itself the rice noodle as well as the noodle soup that we know of um but it, there's so many fascinating and political um stories about, first of all, it's creation, then it's adoption, and then it's appreciation all throughout. And um, I was just sort of joking about pho being the new ramen because um, you responded very thoughtfully um, and articulately to an article that created a controversy that was called pho is the new ramen or something um, on So
4: I, I did. And, you know, it's like I don't understand why... <laughs> People only need can only fit one Asian noodle soup into their lives at a time,
3: <laughs> yeah. or into the public, you know, fad of foods or, or something. Right, because
4: the, you know these are dishes that are have not been fads for you know men, a billion people over the ages, <laughs> more than a billion, several billion probably. If you count like you know over time. Yeah. And um and yet, you know, when we talk about Asian food, people do tend to think of it in terms of of being, you know, new and it's exotic on my and now. trending. Yeah. But for the people that, you know, for that they've grown up with these these dishes, like you and I have, you know, I think about the Taiwanese um, beef noodle soup that you have in your book, and then pho for me, and ramen for others, you know, it's like, that's not trendy, that's what we grew up with, and we love those things, and we have profound connections to them. So to, you know, to reduce um, a a food that, that is well, frankly, for pho, it's the national food of Vietnam. Yeah. So to, re- to reduce uh, the national food of a country to like, hey, everybody, go running to pho, it just seems like, like, like wow. that article could have gone a little bit deeper. And um, I, I think that, that food is not just fashion. Food mm-hmm. is sustenance and food is story to a lot of people right. on this planet.
3: Absolutely, and we, we expect more more thoughtfulness um, when it comes to writing and uh, you know having media about Asian food. So I, I really appreciate your response to that. Um, also, I was really excited to you know read throughout this book uh, about all the many controversies and arguments and um, you know that Pho has inspired throughout the ages. Uh, there is you know first of all, there's a there's a you were you were noting in the beginning when you had um, pho as a college student, um, it was smattered with all these bean sprouts and stuff, and how that's more of like a southern or Saigon style preparation, whereas in the north it's more simple, and they are like, oh, it's you know, it should be more pure and just sort of, um, you know, it's all about the subtleness of the broth. So there's like this regional uh, spar <laughs> over how to make pho or serve it, perhaps, and then. Um, you know, there's controversies about its origin. Some people think that, and I've heard this myth before, that it is named for pot au feu or derived somehow from the French dish of that origin.
4: Yeah. You know, the thing is that, like, pho, pho came about as a collision of circumstances around the turn of of, like, the, you know, from going from the 19th to the 20th century, so, right. you know, around the early 1900s. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the French were the people in charge of Vietnam at that time. Yep. And um, in the northern part of the country, in and around Hanoi, they started slaughtering a lot of cows. And so, you know, pho came about because there were these scraps that the French Bones. didn't want. And mm-hmm. so, like, these street vendors started cooking them up. So then people think, oh, gosh, you know, the word pho kind of sounds, sounds like, like fire. So right. while the French were there, then the, the <laughs> Vietnamese must have yeah. been thinking of Pot-o-pho. and it's like, no. Well. The, <laughs> a lot of the cooks at that time were of Chinese origin, is my understanding. Mm. And um, so tracing back to um, what how faux was identified, um, there, I actually found, like, a, uh, a woodblock print mm-hmm. of a faux vendor, um, and the woodblock print was, was um, produced around 1908, 1909. And the Chinese characters used to identify that faux vendor had um, the Chinese character for fun, mm-hmm. so for flat rice noodle. And so, like around nineteen thirty, there was like this this dictionary entry for pho and explaining it as being derived and being related to Chinese flat rice noodles. Mm-hmm. So somehow, fun turned into pho. Mm-hmm. It, it, like if if it was related to fire, then the then fire Yikes. would have figured into pho's, you know, name somehow, at least in the Chinese characters because yeah. back then, Official Vietnamese is written in Chinese characters, not in the Romanized form that we see today. So, you know, it's like this weird, it, it, it's like this collision of, of cultural circumstances, as what I say. You know, culture is rubbing shoulders. Of course. And so, you know, the French don't own pho. The Chinese don't own pho. The Vietnamese own it.
3: Right. It is unique to this land and the times and, uh, you know, nowhere else has it pho's. Sp- you know exactly, exactly, and you pointed Vietnam, out, within yeah. Vietnam
4: itself, we have regional pho fights. Mm. <laughs> and so, from between the northerners and the southerners, you know, there's like this thing of whose pho is more pure and whose yeah. pho, who's yeah, pho exactly. is more
3: fun. I thought that was <laughs> whose is more fun. Um, yeah. First of all, I like how you have a helpful, like, little how to pronounce, and I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Um, is this? No, you is did. A, I did pho. <laughs>
4: Okay. Yeah, yeah, you did. And, and the You're key, excellent.
3: I love that. The key is like the question, you know, and it's in the tone is it's sort of like asking a question. So I'll try. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you were sounding
4: like a good native speaker right there, Kathy. Oh,
3: thank you so much. All right. Um, yeah, no, something irks me about wanting to apply some other cuisine, you know, that, that sort of eagerness to say, oh, maybe it was the French. Um, maybe people are familiar or all too familiar with um, the circumstances around a banh mi and, you know, that's being a, something, um, you know, from the French influence because there's a bread, you know, a baguette uh, used. I don't know. What do you think? There's something really strange about that. Um there Conclusion. is, you know, and
4: we want to, to um, define fo- unfamiliar, foreign yes. things yeah, in maybe. terms of things that we understand. Like put it
3: into a compartment that we, yeah.
4: Yeah, that we can grasp. wrap our head around. Right. And so with banh mi, it's like, oh, it's a baguette sandwich, which is what I called it, you know, when I first started writing about Vietnamese food um, and into the Vietnamese kitchen. It's called mm-hmm. the baguette sandwich. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that the baguette is just the shell, the framework, and inside the, the kind of crazy combination of ingredients is wholly Vietnamese. Mm. And so Vietnam, to understand its history over the ages and its geography, has mean, it's been this very long country with, like, a, 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 the, sea, the coastline is as long as the eastern seaboard of the United States. So you've got a lot of foreign ideas moving in and out. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Vietnam has had resources that people have preyed upon for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so the Vietnamese are, are like cultural survivalists. They, they, you know, take a look at what um, foreign ideas are introduced, and then they make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you get the banh mi sandwiches, and you get... Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and China's, like, right there. You know, it's like you can just, like, you know, in certain parts of Vietnam, you just walk across the border and you're in, in China. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got all this trade going on. And you've got the French there, you know, and, and if you trace back long enough, you'll see that, that the Portuguese were there. There were times that the, the uh, Japanese and Indian traders were there also. And so, you know, it's like this amalgam of cultures, mm-hmm. and it's difficult to define.
3: Absolutely. but uh, you do a really amazing job of tracing the origins, the history, the innovations, and the different region regional specialties or uh, takes on it um, throughout this book. It really felt like reading like a definitive Bible or uh, historical
4: study of of pho. so oh, well, thank I, you. you know it was um I frankly initially, didn't think that I could write a book about pho, right? Because but, I thought that you know I, I have two recipes mm-hmm. um, that I wrote up, the chicken and the beef, and that was it. But then when I dove deeper, I realized that there was all of this, you know, emotion and protest and yeah. art related to pho, and that pho embodied modern Vietnamese history from which was a tumultuous century. Between, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
3: And also, I love that you note that it is always uh, ever expanding and evolving. So, the cuisine right now, some of the youngsters you write are, are eating pho that is deep fried and um, you know, so forth and inventing. And it's like a sort of living, breathing um, you know, cuisine of itself, uh, which is pho. And it's happening. So, it's exciting to see those, um, those changes going on underfoot. Exactly,
4: and, you know, the, it, that's happening in Vietnam. It's also happening in America. In New York, there's somebody making pho soup dumplings. In L.A., there's a guy making a pho burrito. I've had pho banh mi sandwiches. You know, and in Vietnam, they've got pho noodle rolls, and as you mentioned, a deep-fried pho, and it's just all – it works when all of the essence, the spirit of pho is in the dish. Sometimes yeah. things don't quite work, i got to tell you. And so, you know, and it's kind of like at that point, I'm like, that's Wait, not pho. We- that's just a dish with some rice noodles in it. Uh, what about vegetarian pho? Is there, is there a I, good one? Yes. Well, you know, a lot of people have said to me when I was writing the book, oh, my gosh, vegan or vegetarian pho is like no bueno it should not exist Mm. and i was like we have an entire like you know population of buddhists in Mm -hmm. vietnam and they they deserve
3: pho too (laughs) soup yeah (laughs) 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 and there's seafood pho which a lot of people don't think of
4: um no, they don't. Um, and, um, you know, the first time I had it, I, I write about in the book as it was just like fish that had been poached in mm. um, beef faux broth, which was just so disgusting to me. <laughs> the thought of if you were a pescatarian and you didn't know, you ordered that that stuff or like lobster faux yeah. which is the same way. But I realized that seafood and faux spices go together. Mm-hmm. And so I built a recipe that is hundred percent like seafood oriented and it's just absolutely it delicious.
3: Looks really great. And um there's you know there's several noodle dishes that are stir-fried, um rice noodles um so
4: what would is there like another word for these or
3: just Right, pan well fried you know they're
4: like um, they w- in in the Vietnamese repertoire you would consider them to be like dry noodle dishes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so like the wet ones would have the wet noodle dishes would <laughs> not the wet ones, but the wet noodle dishes would have broth with them. <laughs> but the dry noodle dishes um, would be stir fried or pan fried or deep fried, mm-hmm. and they may be sauced, you know, with some a stir fry, you know, and some gravy kind of thing on top of of the noodles, or they may just be like chow fun kind of stir fried noodles. But the the but categorically, in the Vietnamese mindset and on the menu, you would see them as pho, like mm. stir-fried pho, yeah. pan-fried pho, deep-fried pho. Like the noodles. Mm-hmm. Because it's referring to the noodle. Mm.
3: There is such a world of pho noodles that I didn't realize when I, before I picked up this book. And they all look so good. Um, <laughs> but uh, we need to cut to a quick little commercial break, and we'll be right back chatting more with you.
1: Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. When you mill whole grains, you get all three parts of the seed. You get the bran, the germ, and the endosperm the germ is only about 2.5% of the kernel. It's actually the sprouting section of the seed, what's going to grow into a plant. It's usually separated during milling process because it contains most of the fat and therefore has a shorter shelf life. So what you want to do once you buy whole grain flour is keep it kind of wrapped so that oxygen can't get to it so it doesn't go rancid. But the good news about having that fat is that it has a lot of flavor. If you want, you can actually buy the wheat germ, for instance, and add it back to flours. But if you buy Bob's Red Mill product; it already has the germ in it, so you don't have to. Learn more at Bob'sRedmill.com/podcast.
3: Hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words. We're chatting today with Andrea Nguyen about pho. But first, a quick little message or plug about an upcoming event. Um, so, if you're a member of Heritage Radio Network, and we hope you are, uh, we are indebted to you for not only supporting the production, um, but we are giving you some perks in addition. So all current members are invited to a new monthly happy hour series called Books and Brews. Join us April 12th at Three's Brewing at Franklin and Kenton Greenpoint, where... Your host of Eat Rewards, your Yours Truly, and my latest book, The Food of Taiwan, uh, will be there. And uh, you can snag a signed copy of The Food of Taiwan, enjoy some beer from fellow hosts at Heritage, uh, Heritage Radio Network. So uh, check out heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to get your exclusive invite today. And onto the FUP cookbook. We've been chatting with Andrea Nguyen. Are you still there, Andrea? I sure am. Thanks so much. So, I wanted to mention something actually, because as a food writer, podcaster, and so forth, um, these are actually very tumultuous political times that we're dealing with right now. And I sometimes have a hard time uh, making heads and tails of it. Like, it seems weird to be talking about food sometimes. But I want to share that I was really touched by something you wrote, and maybe, maybe this is personal. You wrote it on Facebook.
4: Do you know what I'm going to say? Are
3: you scared?
4: Well, I write a lot of things on <laughs> Facebook. Okay, but, sometimes well, I sometimes regret and sometimes not. So put it out there. Okay.
3: Well, you said something that your dad told you. You said your dad told you that in 100 years, nobody will care about Donald Trump or something, but people will remember your fuck cookbook. And I think that that was so comforting to me to hear. And it's really yeah, nice. Yeah,
4: you know, my father is 86 years old, and he, he has lived through a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, this, it, that was just, like, last week when we were visiting. And, um, you know, like a lot of Vietnamese Americans of his generation, he came to America. And um, even we, like, ended up settling in this little t- beach town where Richard Nixon ended up going to after he left. The White House. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and my father has voted Republican for a very long time. Mm. But, you know, he has always been um, someone who has looked at politics in this country as being a place of opportunity for people. And even during like the the most difficult times for our family in terms of resettling, we always had food and culture as part of our identity right. and to help us feel really grounded. And so, you know, here he is, and and he's, as he's saying, you know, like an old car breaking down because he's getting older. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's like, very perceptive and yeah. retrospective in terms of, of how he sees A things. And wise. he just suddenly yeah. that came out of his mouth, and I was like, you know, you're absolutely true, right, because, you know, in the long term of things, what we are preoccupied with now may not really matter all that much. But there are certain things that will remain true, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's culture mm-hmm. and flavors and and memories. And, you know, food helps us to develop those base points and benchmarks that we can really hold on to so that we have a sense of who we are and what's important to us as we move through, like, difficult times.
3: Mm -hmm. You can really feel, like, throughout each page, like, how important Fuzz is to you and your, um, you know, just everyday life. You write about how you'd first eaten it from um, street vendors or little small shops in... In Vietnam, but then you know, at home when you're in living in the United States, you would often make broth, or your mother would make broth, and then recreate because pho- there wasn't too many restaurants at that time that you could go to. So it's something that uh, you know you you found comforting, um, cooking at home and recreating from those memories of of Vietnam. And um it it's just a wonderful generous ode throughout and that that's sort of like the jumping off point but um you know you've done amazing amounts of research that will not be forgotten it'll it'll stick
4: around this is like Well thank you very yeah. much you know I'm I'm blessed to be able to have a publisher that ri- that helps me or lets me write that what lets I want to write <laughs> right and make right. books that I find to be very meaningful and, and long lasting books Mhm
3: um I was I was actually Um, Oh, actually, let's talk about (laughs) this characterization you mentioned of pho that involves uh, also an anecdote from your dad. Um, Interestingly, like, so pho is sort of seen as um, something you don't eat every day, whereas rice is something you do eat every day. So you're saying this, there's a sort of folksy understanding of pho as the mistress, and whereas (laughs) rice is the wife?
4: (laughs) Correct. And there's um, so when if you if you travel in Vietnam and and you look around, there are these little um, joints, food joints, and Mm -hmm. they'll have a sign out, and it'll say um, in Vietnamese, rice and pho. Mm -hmm. So. Gum is rice and pho is pho. And so you'd always see these signs, and it's like, what's that all about? And then um, I started like poking online, and I realized that there were like, it had the symbolism in terms of rice as being your dutiful wife that you can rely on, and pho is the mistress that you can slip away to. And, and so, you know, I asked my parents about it, and they're like, well, of course. And my dad, you know, he's standing there, he's wiggling his hips, and he's yeah. like, I'm pho. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom's like, and, and you cannot have amazing. too much pho because yeah. you'll get bored with it.
3: Oh, ooh. <laughs>
4: yes. Well, is that
3: also because you have to slip away to enjoy pho usually from a vendor or,
4: yeah, okay. Yeah. And so than, uh-huh. um like you would go, you know, you can go in the morning, mm-hmm. you can go late at night for a chaser. We oftentimes think in the United States that pho is a breakfast food and it is enjoyed in the morning and is fabulous for breakfast because mm-hmm. as you say you eat a little bit of it, you feel good and not gross. Mm-hmm. And you know, you feel like you're ready to go forth with uh, with the day and, and the humidity, that's like what yeah. you get in Saigon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also have pho midday. It's also a great chaser late at night. Mm, snack, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's a it's an everyday, um, all day long kind of food.
3: Well, I, I think that it's it's just a wonderful thing to expand on in your book. Uh, you even have pho pot stickers. Um, you know, so many ways to enjoy pho. And, you know, these things, you know, we You were just saying that, you know, pho is typically eaten from a stand or a restaurant or a vendor, um, but it looks so fun and so easy to make at home. If you make a big pot of stock, then you can always just cook some noodles and have something ready to throw together. Um, Yeah,
4: exactly. And you can have, you know, the thing is that a lot of people, if you can boil water, you can make pho, is what I tell people. (laughs) Really, yeah, no because technique. it's just yeah. simmering stuff. You, and then you have to, like, strain it. Mm. But then once you get it going, um, and home cooks can do this, it it doesn't require, like, a long overnight simmer because, frankly, oh. you're not going to be opening a restaurant. You're just making, you know, say, um, four quarts of broth at the most. But you can also use a pressure cooker and make mm-hmm. pho in, like, an hour and a half. Um, and then you can also, like, make pho from, by doctoring up um store-bought broth, too. So mm. you can fit fall into your life, is okay. what I'm saying to
3: people. Okay, cool. So I have the spices to, like, some beef broth um, that are typically used and then yep. simmer in them. Ah, that's a good trick. Um, okay, I love how you have, like, also other, like, sort of quickie. So you have a real recipe, and then you have, like, the this you know slow cooker or, like, pressure cooker quick-style recipe. There's also a rotisserie chicken recipe, which sounds super easy to do at home Um, do you see that more more and more
4: people are cooking pho at home they are and they're Mm -hmm. very curious about it Mm -hmm. and um, you know what's It's absolutely fascinating to me because I've been teaching cooking classes about pho for a number of years, Mm -hmm. and most of my – people assume that I write for a Vietnamese audience, but I totally don't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, most of the people that come to me who are curious are not Vietnamese. They see this as, like, this is an Asian noodle soup. They see it as, like, chicken noodle soup, and they want to understand it, and they want to make it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so um, it's so refreshing for me because I feel that pho has has moved from the margins and is is it, moving right. more into the mainstream.
3: Absolutely, and thank you so much for helping us bring or helping enlighten us to all the complexities and all the 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 fascinating history of, of pho and all the iterations of it um, from a really a really learned point of view. Uh, it, I think that's a great way to sort of explore it deeper. Um, so I guess anything else um, that you have in the works? Because you are quite a prolific cookbook writer, and I'm always curious what you're going to do next. So I don't know if you can
4: share. Well, I'm, I'm working on a new book, but um, I'm also right now busy. Um, we, I, I help edit a book about um, a, an iconic uh food writer and um yes by the name of paula wolfert and that, that just very came exciting. out and we're very excited about it congrats
3: on that book so it's unforgettable and um it, that's a fascinating story I'm, it's so great that you guys got together um you and emily thielen um photographers eric wolfinger i'm sure everyone saw the story in the new york times about paula's un you know unforgettable life um so that's so exciting
4: yeah, it, just yeah it, it is. And I, you know, so I'm lucky to be kept so busy these days mm-hmm. and getting to do work mm-hmm. that I get, love to do.
3: Well, I'm so so glad you could take the time out to speak with us today at Heritage. Um, that's about all the time we have for today, though. So I hope everyone checks out the pho cookbook. And thanks again, Andrea. Thank you, Kathy. All right. We'll see you next week on Heritage Radio Network.
4: I like the way you do. Whoa, the way you took it so slow.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.